Welcome to Breitbart News Daily. Thanks for being here. We spent the whole first hour talking about Harvard, but really we talked about much bigger things than, than just Harvard. I don't really care about Harvard itself, but what it says about who we are, what country we are becoming, if not already are. Now, then the second hour came, and Shannon called in. And it was perfect. Because we ended the first hour with some lament. Lament about how weak we've become. Played the clip of a Harvard student complaining that he doesn't get an emotional or spiritual or mental break over the trauma he's experienced because the president of Harvard resigned. Okay, so it's like laughably absurd, but, but this is the country we're becoming. We're becoming very weak, if not already are. So we're lamenting that, and then we take a call from Shannon. And it's just what you need after a lament. You can't stay in lament. You need, you need to go to lament. That's important. But then you need to, to rise out of it. And that's what we were then in, inspired and encouraged by, by Shannon's strength. And that one-two punch was, was quite wonderful. So let's play the, uh, the beginning of the second hour. If you want to hear the first hour, you go to SiriusXM and subscribe, and you can hear the whole three-hour show. And then all the wonderful phone calls we had after Shannon as well. Uh, but if nothing else, here's the first segment of the second hour. Let's start off the hour with Brian, who is in Florida. What's going on, Brian? How are you? Good, good, good. How are you? Really good. What's on your mind? Um, I just want to say what you did yesterday to Steve from Miami, which is Andrew Wilkow's troll, was brilliant. <laughs> the, the, the sedation method that you used to, to turn him from you know, his, his angry, emotional self into a calm little calf was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know this fella. Is he a, uh, is he a, uh, a normal, he, a, a he usual? Calls, he, he calls, he calls the will count majority every day. <laughs> That's funny. That's a funny person. I don't understand that person, you know? And, and like, will, will count will use facts against them. What you did was you used emotions against him and and he, I've, I've I've never never heard him talk that calm, ever. That was brilliant. Oh, interesting. Kudos. Oh, thanks, ma'am. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's uh, thank you, Brian. Okay, so the sedation method. <laughs> I've never heard that. Um, here, this is, let me just take two minutes, and then we'll I'll get to a Biden thing. Um, what he's doing for the the anniversary of January sixth. Um, so my general policy on callers trolls is uh, first of all anyone's welcome with any opinion you just have to have an argument and i will always treat you kindly of course like we can have different opinions but you just have to have an argument that's fair isn't it uh i love having conversations i'll ask questions uh i'm a curious person so even even <laughs> even uh brian brought up the fact that this guy calls a radio show every day i'm just like curious about that it's like hmm what are you doing all day? Do you, you know what I mean? Like every day you call into a radio show? Like I encourage you to call into, like I love when people call, you know, first time, long time, first time, right? That, like that's great. You should call in. It's fun. Uh, but every day? That's like, I don't know. I feel like, what are you doing? Like I'd love to talk to Steve. Like what do you do for a living? What do you, that's, 
Like what, what's driving you to call into a radio show every single day? I don't understand that. Quite. So I'm just curious. I'm curious about everything. I'm always curious. Um, I have no intention of yelling at anyone. I don't have any intention of ever doing that. Uh, first of all, my one-year-old is sleeping in the room right next to me. <laughs> He's like, right. my one-year-old is, uh, as the crow flies, six feet from me. And if I wake him up with yelling at Steven in wherever, and my uh, James wakes up yelling, then <laughs> that will mess up my wife's morning. And that's not good. Uh, so, I've, so, I've, so, I've, so that's the first thing. I also, I'm not much of a yeller. I'd rather try to change someone's mind. Or if they're a troll, just let them embarrass themselves. There's a big difference between winning an argument and changing someone's mind. It's really easy to win an argument. It's very easy to win an argument. Uh, I wrote a, so I wrote a quick book about it. It's called, it's called How to Change Someone's Mind. It's a it's super short read. You read it in an hour. It's like a pamphlet. I think it's $5 on Amazon. Um, and uh, it's really easy to win an argument. You just sound really confident, talk fast. It's, it's super easy. And because it's, anyway, I won't go into that. It's way more fun to bring and, and draw the stupidity out of them. <laughs> like that's way better. If you can pull that out of someone, that's, it's fun. And if you're going to call into a national radio show and be a fool, like that's on you. I don't like, I'm just going to ask questions. Uh, and then just for every caller, it is really hard to call into a radio show. I remember I was uh, first got a radio in Jackson, Tennessee and uh, had a radio like coach. And he said, you should call into a radio show. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to call. Like, that's, like, that's terrifying. He's <laughs> like, what do you mean? You, ha- you host a radio show. He's like, yeah, I don't know. Calling is a totally different thing. And I, uh, I did. I called into one. I was, in, uh, I was like driving through Cincinnati, I think. And I called into some guy's show. And it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. Because you're on hold. And like, you hear the show, but it sounds different than when you listen on the radio normally. So you're like weird. And you're on edge and this is why i feel so terrible whenever we can't get to a phone call because you've been holding and like the whole time you don't you're not just on hold and living a normal life like you're on hold and your adrenaline's kind of high because you got to be ready at a moment's notice because i could be going right to you right now so like i hate i i don't i feel bad about the whole thing because i know how hard it is and then it, you like hear a click you're like okay uh, brian in florida boom and it's like oh <laughs> And, and, and like you're super nervous, and that's why every once in a while you'll get, uh, hey, it's hey Brian. I mean, I'm Brian. Hey Mike. It's, it's like, oh man, I get it. I get it. It's a super super hard. Uh, and then like, if I called into a radio show, I would totally blow it. I would make none of the points I wanted to make. It would be awful. And uh, that's that one time. So one time I called Glenn Beck's radio show. Uh, this would have been 2000. I can tell you exactly what it was. 2005. And uh, I told the call screener. I distinctly remember the call screener. Uh, hey, you know, what's your point? And I made my point to her. And she says, uh, all right, I'll pass it along. And hung up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, darn. That was a crappy point. I didn't make it past the call screener. Darn it. But my legs were shaking. Uh, you know, like, it was like, I was like super fight or flight response. 
just talking to the call screener. So, so I totally get how hard it is to make a phone call, and I want to make it as, as easy as possible for everyone to do as best as they can and then leave feeling like, yes, I made, I made my point, uh, and I, f- I feel good about that. That's, that's, that's my approach to phone calls, if that's helpful at all. And if you want, so to me, a troll, by the way, a troll is someone who calls in and says, uh, you know, whatever, just calls in and lies to the call screener and then says a bunch of swear words and hangs up. Like, whatever. That, that's a troll. But someone who wants to call in and make an argument, that's not a troll. It's just, just a person trying to make an argument. So that's cool. All right, anyway, that's enough of that. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Um, so, and by the way, we don't get a lot of haters on the show. I'd be, I'm willing to take every Democrat who wants to call in. I don't, I'd be great. Uh, we don't get a lot. I've never gotten a lot. For 16 years, I've been hosting radio shows. I, I don't get a lot of Democrat callers. I, I, I don't know. I, I think, but I don't, I don't know. I think it's because you may, you may hear one call in and you're like, ooh, I don't want... I don't want to, I don't want questions asked of me. And I just think it's like, I'd rather not call. That's anyway. So, uh, Joe Biden, our, uh, president, he's going to give a speech on January 6th. Do you remember January 6th? Jan- this is the third anniversary of January 6th. January 6th got, it's like nine 11 became a day. It's a day now forever. It'll always be a day. It's like D day, Pearl Harbor day. It's now a day. J six, a letter in a day or a letter in a number. That's it. It's its own thing now. And, and now, and they did that. They were able to brand it. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, they're brilliant. They were able to brand January 6th as a day. So now we can, we can uh, mark the anniversary of said day. The day that democracy was torn asunder. So how is Joe Biden going to, to mark this, this, this uh, horrible day? It's a horrible anniversary. A senior Biden campaign official told Politico, that Biden was inspired to speak at Valley Forge. Joe Biden's going to speak at Valley Forge because it allegedly marked George Washington's ascent to power during a major turning point in the Revolutionary War. Trying to draw a contrast to Washington, Biden claimed Trump refused to step down after the 2020 election and certainly supported an insurrection on January 6th. Quote, Valley Forge was a moment where George Washington was able to bring the colonial forces together and mark the beginning of his ascent to power before he ultimately gave up power and the ultimate precedent as our nation's first president. Hmm. That is an, that's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting turn, <laughs> an interesting pivot. Uh, uh, that's, huh. So it's, it's going to be, uh, I'm, I can't wait to hear it. Because, and just to be clear, Trump left the White House on the exact day and time and way in which every other president has always left the White House. I mean, I, did he get on Marine One and fly away or did he just like drive away? I don't exa- maybe, maybe I don't know the means in which he left, but he left. He just walked, he walked away. Trump's great coup attempt was unsuccessful. And, uh, Yes, it will be studied by military commanders in war colleges for generations to come. Why was the Trump coup attempt unsuccessful? Some will say because he had no military. Sure, sure, perhaps. Some will say it's because 
the leader of the coup was a shirtless shaman in a Viking hat. Perhaps. Some will say he was unsuccessful in his coup attempt because there was no, what do you call it, uh, plan or objective or instruction or mission in any way whatsoever. And listen, these are all wonderful things for our future military leaders to study. Right? Like, why was the raid on bin Laden's compound so successful? But the insurrection on January 6th just didn't worry. It just wasn't as great of a triumph. Why? What are the differences? Smarter men than me will parse out the details. If I were to pick one reason why the great insurrection of 2021 was unsuccessful by Donald Trump, the tyrant, I'm going to go with, with the fact that about a minute into it, he told everyone to go home. That's just like, like that's, I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't in the military, but uh, telling your guys to go home, like the battle of Thermopylae, there was no, like the commander was like, all right, guys, let's go home. Telling your ragtag military to go home about a minute into it. Or maybe the reason Trump wasn't successful in his insurrection is because uh, his St. Crispin's Day speech just was, it didn't hit, you know? It just didn't hit. And everyone can try to do a, a motivational speech, but they're not gonna they're not gonna hit, you know? For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. I mean, that's a great line. And the gentlemen in England now now abed shall think themselves accursed. They were not here and hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. That, like, I want to go fight someone after. You just read St. Crispin's Day speech and you're just ready to go to battle. It doesn't even matter with who or why. But Trump didn't go with that approach. He went with the... Um, Hey, everyone, let's peacefully walk down to the Capitol and have our voices be heard. And that's just not, it's not a rallying cry. That's really going to get the insurrectionists riled up. But again, regardless, we'll leave that to the Naval War College and West Point to analyze why this coup was so unsuccessful. I do look forward to Biden acting like it very nearly was when he gives a speech at Valley Forge. And if he gets anywhere near disgracing this sacred place with his cheap political points. But we shall see. I look forward to it. The Associated Press, President Joe Biden is starting his campaign year by evoking the Revolutionary War to mark the third anniversary of the deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Uh, it was only deadly because the police officer shot the 12-year Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt in the neck. Is that what they're talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the deadliness that the AP was referring to, but that's the only deadliness that occurred. Uh, and Joe Biden will be visiting the South Carolina church where a white gunman massacred black parishioners seeking to present in the starkest possible terms an election he argues could determine the fate of American democracy. Why are you going to the church in 
South Carolina. Why is he going there? Do you know? Because you are Dylan Roof. Don't you see it? Now, I, don't, I don't like to say these people's names. Uh, but for dramatic effect, I will make an exception here. You are Dylan Roof. Do you see it? That's why. That's why he's going to that church. Because that's you. The Associated Press, Biden's kicking off 2024 by delving into some of the country's darkest moments rather than an upbeat affirmation of his record. Meant to clarify for voters what his team sees as the stakes of November's election. During the both events, he will characterize his predecessor as a serious threat to the nation's founding principles, arguing that Trump will seek to undermine U.S. democracy should he win a second term. We are running a campaign like the fate of our democracy depends on it. Because it does. <laughs> Great. Uh, this democracy line, uh, I don't think it lands with anyone except for total left-wing hacks. It's great. Uh, so they can use it all they want. And I think this gives a bigger lane for Trump to talk about love and unity and good, positive things and prosperity and making America great again. So the darker Biden goes, uh, I think that's that's better. Uh, let's take a couple, couple more questions. Let's go to uh, Shannon, who is in... Missouri. What's going on, Shannon? And good morning. Hey, I'm on my way to work. About an hour and a half drive in every day. Oh my day. goodness, Shannon, um, every day you drive yeah. an hour and a half? Yeah, I've done this for about 10 years now for the same company. Um, yesterday I had a situation. I am a district manager. I'm one of my employees. I walk into one of my locations and has a little name tag on says they, them. I said, what is that? And they said, that's how you're going to refer to me. I said, no, 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 we're not doing that here. Well, you will, or you'll lose your job. That's the way it is. And I said, listen, I said, you know, just because it's your truth doesn't make it true. And just because you're offended doesn't make it true. I'm not, I'm not doing the thing. Um, so after some meetings and some talks, I'm in jeopardy of losing my job. Like I have worked through COVID. I, I bust my butt. I hire teenagers. I have to teach to read a clock out of high school. They don't know how to tell time. I, I have taught them how to count money. I, I am dumbfounded that because I refuse to the core of my values, I am, I am Southern to my core. I believe what I believe. I am a Christian woman. I am not going to be forced to do this. And if it costs me my job, I guess it just does. But I am so dumbfounded that someone's entire work ethic, their entire livelihood and what they have given does not matter as much as something that is not scientifically true. It's not a thing. And I, I'm just frustrated. And I, just, I don't know why I'm called to vent to you about it, but I just, I, I'm just dumbfounded. This is my first time dealing with this. And I, I'm I don't know. I just like, I don't want to go to work, but because I am who I am, my butt got in the car to make the drive. That's what I do. <laughs> you know, uh, Shannon, I'm so sorry from, from, from the halls of Harvard to you in Missouri. Just, uh, I hate it for you. Uh, um, yeah. okay. Uh, a couple questions. Is this person in question a raging activist or a I didn't, I lost didn't and troubled think so. soul. 
it didn't appear to be. I mean, I, the person I hired interviewed, of course, you know, you don't know. Um, they're young. I deal with this all the time. Uh, I deal with the mentality of this person, but I didn't, I just didn't see it coming. I didn't expect to walk into a store yeah. and, and see this name and see this being done and, and be threatened because I was like, no, you can believe what you want to off the clock. You know, what you do at home is your business, <laughs> but not here. This is the workplace. This is the adult world. You know, there's expectations, and I've always made those clear, and and that's not one of them. And, yeah, you're, and you're the first that, adult in this person's life to have this you know, mentality. You know, it's hard. It's hard, and I know I can't be the only person. That's the only reason I called. I can't be the only person that has dealt with this or, or is trying to, I'm just not going to change my mindset, sir. I just, if it costs me my job, it costs me my job. Uh, I'm just, at the end of the day, I have to face my maker. And I believe you're either for or against something and I'm not going to cave. I'm not going to be accepting. You live your life. You got to face your own. I have to face mine and I'm just not going to do it. So I'm just going to go to work and face what comes. That's all I know to do. That's it. Shannon, you said uh, a minute ago, you said, I'm not doing the thing. What's the, what's the thing? I'm not going to accept what's not true. I'm not going to be forced to swallow that when I know at the very being of my soul, it's not right. You can do it. You can believe what you want to. That's on you. I'm not going to be forced to acknowledge what is not true. Because, like I said, Shannon, it's just, I have to face my maker. Yeah, but Shannon, it's just a little, you know, it's just a little thing. Call, call not, him no, a day. You know, just move on. That way you can, everyone can keep the job and just move on to the next day, Shannon. No, sir. I can't. Because then it's the next thing. And then it's the next thing. And it's the next thing. And our time here is very short. <laughs> and I'm not going to face, I, I'm just not. I'm just not, and I feel under attack, and I feel like my 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 soul is not okay with it. And if I, I may do a lot of things, but I'm never going to go against that. I just can't. I'm sitting here crying because I know I know I'm right, and I'm not going to change my mind. I just can't. So anyway, I didn't call your show to cry or to to get sympathy. I just called because <laughs> I know there has to be someone else that hears this and they're they're dealing with it and they know it's not right too. And this is a first for me, so maybe I'm just being dramatic and just overwhelmed by it. But I just know it don't sit right with my soul. And there, at the end of the day, I, I have to do what's right. And Shannon, Shannon don't, you, don't, you, don't you want to be a compassionate person? I am. You do what you want to in your life, but don't expect me to agree with it. I'm not going to sit and talk down to you, and I'm not going to make you believe what I believe. I just want the same respect. I'm not going to be forced. I'm just not going to be forced to to acknowledge what I know isn't true because it doesn't sit well with God, and I know it, and I, I just can't. That's all. I'm, I'm sorry. That, that's no, just, no, that's no. You never reality. apologize. Shannon, you have, uh, you have changed lives with your phone call today. I, I, I don't know. I just need I just need prayer today because I've got to stand strong. That's all. I just I just need some prayer because wow. I, I I'm facing something that I know ain't good, yeah, and 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 it's the first time. Yeah, mm. Shannon, thank you. 
Thank you for Thank listening. Thank you, sir. You Thank have you. a good day. Thank you for being in tune, so clearly in tune with what's with what's true and what's right and being willing to face the consequences of that. That's very difficult. Very difficult. We played the clip earlier of Amy Wax, professor at Pennsylvania, UPenn, uh, who says she's so many fellow professors who know that what's happening at Penn and other schools is going to destroy the institution. And she said they just don't care because they'd rather keep their cushy gigs while it lasts, ride it out, and uh, that's it. And Shannon's not willing to do that, and that is commendable. That is inspiring. Uh, you, to be, to not only have a conviction, but to be so in tune. I mean, I got, I got a funny tweet. Someone said, uh, <laughs> on Twitter, they said, uh, I think they tweeted it to Alex Marlowe, too. It's like, hey, man, I don't go to your boss, you know? But it was, it was like, hey, Marlowe, Slater can't go 25 minutes without talking about the soul. And it's, it's like such a great criticism because I wish it were 15 minutes. And, and, I, and I love it because it's like, yeah, man, you're right. Because you are so bombarded with people talking about the conservative soul everywhere else you go. It's just everywhere. <laughs> oh, nonstop. All I'm doing is tuning into every TV show, every radio show, everything I read. It's all about your soul. Oh, it's so annoying. You never hear it anywhere. But many years ago, I heard the, the word integrity. <clears throat> it means that everything is uh, everything's in line. You're, you're not one person here, one person there. You're not, what's the old Seinfeld uh, Worlds colliding. You're not. You're not one George Costanza with these people. And one George Costanza over there, but you're you're you're, you're integral. Everything is everything is in, is integral. Is one like an integer is a whole number like one. You're one the whole time, all the time. That's a person of integrity, uh, like you are, Shannon. And that is uh, that is wonderful to see, and rarer and rarer. Uh, it's tricky. And the reason I asked why is, is this person an activist or is this person uh, just a genuine yet lost person. Um, the activists, their goal is to destroy. That's why we talked about that. We played the clip of the new director of Star Wars, who's this flaming feminist activist. And she's now the director of Star Wars. She has no, and she, she did, and we played this clip where she's like, oh, my goal in life is to make men uncomfortable. I'm like, okay, well, like why is this woman anywhere near Star Wars? How could she possibly have become the director of the new Star Wars movie? Went from George Lucas to this chick? Like, how could that possibly be? This Pakistani woman? We're going to let be in charge of Star Wars? For the purpose of destroying it. Now, they're not just going to destroy things right away. They're going to use it. They're parasites. They're going to use it for as long as they can for their own, object, for their own um, purposes. And then, in the end, destroy it. And that's fine because the goal is to destroy. But if they can use it for a while for their own purposes, then that's, that's wonderful. And, but the, the, the point is to destroy, right? Conservatives like to build up. These people want to destroy. And this person, if they're an activist, this, this doesn't have to be their motive necessarily, but if this person is an activist, then their goal, Shannon, is to destroy you. Hurt people hurt people. So their goal is to destroy you. And this person will scalp you, scalp your job, and love it. And that's really hard to accept as true. 
And uh, I really hate that for you. I, I, gen, I, don't, I don't know if that sounds not genuine. I do. That's brutal. And you say it's coming, Shannon. No, it's, it's here. It's here. From the halls of Harvard to Missouri. It's here. It's everywhere. And all you can do is what you know is right. Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. Let's go to Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Dr. Gorka, how are you, sir? Excuse me, I read the tweet. I'm the iconic Sebastian Gorka. Oh, is that is that what the, we put on this? Yes, that's a much I better way. I, I, I immediately showed my wife and I said, I like this. <laughs> okay, let's keep that. We'll keep that on the title. The iconic. <laughs> we don't even need your name. We'll just put the iconic. The iconic. Everyone just know. I like that. <laughs> I know exactly what it is, who it is. Uh, Dr. Gorka, let me ask you this question. We were just talking last hour. Did not intend for this to be the last hour of our show, but Shannon from Missouri called in, and she's very uh, distressed because at her work, there is someone who wants to go by uh, they, them pronouns. Wow. And she has a strong conviction uh, to not do that and yeah. uh, gave a beautiful defense of her uh, of, of integrity and truth and all the rest. Uh, what is your advice to Shannon? Look, I can't tell her what to do, but I'll, I'll say two things. So, so number one, I was there in the room on the Friday when uh, Tucker gave his speech. Uh, the, the, the day he was fired, he didn't know he was about to be fired, and he was giving a speech to the Heritage Foundation's 50th anniversary gala. And there's this one line where he said, uh, you know, real bravery today is, is not anything the left tells you is bravery. Real bravery is when you know you're, you're you're a nameless individual at a corporation, and they tell you to use your pronouns in in the you know signature block of your email, and you write back to HR and you say I'm not I'm not going to do that. That's real bravery bravery in today's America. So you know I, I don't agree with everything uh, on everything with Tucker, but that is absolutely on the money and then secondly <clears throat> let me show you a story from from my personal experience i was doing a, a kind of not really a campaign speech but i was helping out a candidate in uh, in new hampshire and i gave a, a, a little talk and then afterwards in the q a the issue of this transgenderism came up as it often does and this nurse asked me a question and she said i i work in a hospital where bad things are done, you know, things like abortions and things like transgender surgery on, on minors. What do I do? And th there is moments, Mike, you know, when it's not you talking, there's just, you know, you're a vessel, the big guy upstairs just sends you, you know, uh, things to say. And the following you know, words came out of my mouth. And I said, look, madam, I, I, I know you have to pay the rent. It's your job. You've got to feed your kids. But at the end of the day, who's going to stand in front of your Lord and Savior and have to account for your actions here on earth? It's not the director of the hospital. It's not the administrator. It's not the surgeon who says, come and help me on this abortion. Guess what? It's you 
I'm not going to tell you what to do, but at the end of the day, there's only one person who is answerable for eternity for your actions, and that's you. If you keep that in front of you, you know, suddenly all these questions uh, are answered, and and really, one knows what to do. Yeah, that's amazing. How uh, so? Even in this hypothetical you just brought up here, your your tough questions become very easy. So you're like very wrestling easy. with this. Oh, it's so complicated. <laughs> but then when you you get it down to that, you're like, oh, well, this is actually couldn't be an easier decision about what to do. Very interesting. It, it's one of the most important things we can do, and I, I see this with my friends. I see this with you know, there are these two guys I love dearly who have um, my favorite international podcast. It's called Trigonometry with two Gs, um, two stand-up comedians from the left yes. who who have, you know, woken up to the threat of wokeism. And they, they have this great podcast. They're crushing it. And and even with them, and I see this, and if you're listening, guys, Francis and Kissin, you know, I, I love you guys. There's this propensity for people to say, well, you know, things are complicated and, and nothing's black and white. And, and, you know, most things are gray. And my answer is no. When it comes to the important things in life, there's nothing gray. If it's an important issue, if it has to do with truth, then there, you know, the, there is no nuance. This is the, the left favorite, favorite word. Ah, it's nuance. No, it's not. When it's a, the health of children, when it's the protecting the vulnerable, protecting the unborn, there is no nuance. There are no gradations you know, on a gray scale. There's only black and white and wrong, and, uh, right and wrong. And, and deep down, you know what? You're, you're only battling with it because you know that there's only black and white. You, you're, you're looking for a way out that, that's, that doesn't force you to stare at the truth you know, in the face. That's, oh, that's why the left uses this phrase nuance. But at the end of the day, Mike, the big problems, they really are black and white. Ah, uh, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Um, but so that scenario you brought up about the pronouns and the emails, right? It's so little. Yeah. It's so little. It's so insignificant. It's so easy to brush aside. And I brought that up to Shannon. She's like, yeah, but what about the next thing and the next thing, the next thing, of course. But let's say you take the, the dramatic stand, Dr. Gorka, yeah. and uh, you get fired triumphantly. You that bravery you spoke of, you will get no praise. There, yeah. there, there's, there's not going to be a parade for you in the street because of your martyrdom. Uh, I, I reference this, this, I guess, speech by Paul Washer, and uh, he said, "Your suffering." It's like 15 years ago. He said, "Your suffering will not be noble." He, you know, we, we look back at the the great Christian martyrs, and we think that they were persecuted because they were disciples and had sincere faith in Jesus Christ and, and they died this noble death. And it's like, yeah, that's why they were, but they, were, they weren't called that. They were called child molesters and bigots and enemies of the state. And right. there was no, like we look back on it with triumph and right, but that, they weren't at the time. And it's true today. Like you're not, you're not going to be praised for your bravery today, you know? Right. But who cares? I, I yeah. mean, really, I mean, do you do the right thing to be rewarded by other human beings or do you do it to be, you know, rewarded, quote unquote, with eternal life with our Lord and Savior? I mean, that's I mean, really, is, is the adulation of your fellow man is that there's and I, I don't want to get all soppy and kind of self-help <laughs> here, but, 
you know, there's a point, I don't know, I think we're probably of, of a similar vintage. There's a point in life, it came to me, well, I'm 53 now, it probably came to me in my 40s, my late 40s. It's, there is this magical moment, truly magical, when an adult realizes that they don't need the approval of other people yeah, that's right. and they don't need other people to say nice things about them they don't they don't need to be loved by the masses when that when you come to that moment where you realize other human beings opinion of you is irrelevant to your eternal salvation do you know what a freeing moment? I mean, you know, but that is just such a freeing moment. It, it is truly, you know, the, the, the chains of this world are, are just shattered into smithereens when you realize the, uh, uh, the, the approval of other men is irrelevant to your own personal value. It is an utter liberation. And uh -huh. that's what we must keep in front of us. My, my father, when he resisted communism, when he was betrayed, tortured, arrested, given a life sentence, he, you know, he did those things to fight for freedom because freedom was the right thing to fight for. He didn't do it so he'd get a lot of, you know, clicks on social media or because his <laughs> friends would like him. He did it for the opposite reason. So that moment when you realize the measure of me is is up in heaven the measure of me isn't down here on earth that's one of the most liberating moments in a, moments in a human being's life yes uh, uh, i was just reading last week this is uh aristotle rhetoric here he's doing yep. this, this the quick little thing about the difference between young people and old people uh young and old uh, and he got into the old he said uh they are not shy but tend to be shameless talking about the old they're not shy but tend to be shameless because they have less regard for honor that the young people are only they only care about honor so it's like what other people think uh then for expediency they do not care what people think of them <laughs> so there's so ancient wisdom that's always been true what you what you more beautifully described than aristotle uh is 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 has been true since the beginning of humankind yeah i i you know we've been having fun on the radio with my colleagues talking about new year's resolutions and you know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know there are many radio shows that talk about reading Aristotle. And, and one of my New Year's resolutions is to put this thinking thing down more often, this phone, and actually read a book. And I tell people, you know what? Uh, preferably, re preferably read a book, you know, with actual real pages, not an audible because that's different, and you know, not a Kindle because you, you know, you can't make real notes on it. Read a real book, and preferably written by a dead white guy, and preferably more than well, let's start with Shakespeare. Let's let's start with you know more than four hundred years ago. If they died more than four hundred years ago, whether it's Aristotle, whether it's Plato, whether it's Shakespeare, you're probably onto a good thing guys put the phone down read a book it's a classic for a reason um yes. let's uh let's pivot here to uh donald j trump uh yeah. dr gorka can donald trump win the white house <laughs> it's funny you say that um i, I wrote an article to, on that exact title yesterday uh based upon a discussion i had with a, with a fellow parishioner who who you know, asked me exactly that question. And, and I, I'm so amused by fellow conservatives who say, oh, my gosh, can he win? Can he win? And I go, well, of course he can, because he's done it once already. You know, he, he was 
the outsider who'd never run for public office in his life, who was outspent by Hillary two to one, and who was predicted on the night of the election by the luminaries of the Huffington Post to have a 1.7% chance of winning, and he crushed it. So yes, of course he can. And not only that, look at what happened to him. Four years of calumny, four years of smears, of being called a racist, a bigot, a white supremacist, and literally a Nazi. And what does he do? He does something absolutely unheard of. He gets 10 million more votes the second time round. That's very hard for incumbent presidents to get 10 million more votes the second time round, and even more so, just stunning, given what they said about him in the mainstream lying legacy media. So, yes, he can do it. The the real question, this is what I ended the article on, and it'll be the topic of my, my next piece at AMAC, is will they let him? Will they let him? Because they can't let him. The, the establishment, I mean, look, look at this whole thing about Nikki Haley now. I mean, the only reason the, the liars floated this President Trump's considering Nikki Haley, which is absolute garbage, is because they realize that he's crushing Biden. They realize he's 50 points ahead of anybody on the right, and they need their person inside the wire. They need <laughs> the rhino. They need the person who, oh, my gosh, if he goes to prison, it'll be our guy. It'll be our guy. I've said it a million times when I was in the White House. I've said it a million times since I left the White House. Uh, President Trump won despite the GOP, not thanks to the GOP. So whether it's the left that has now put him in front of 730 years in prison, or whether it's the rhinos trying to have a Trojan horse inside his campaign, (laughs) they can't have another person. They, They can't have a man they cannot control in the White House again. So, yes, he can win. The question is, will they let him? Yes, and what does will they let him, what does will they not let him look like? But that's such a good point. Where did Nikki Haley for vice president talk even come from? (laughs) (laughs) You're right, that was so astroturf. There was a a clickbait headline about Steve Bannon. It says, here's what Steve Bannon thinks about Nikki Haley for vice president. And part of me was like, ooh, does he want her for vice president? And uh, his clip was, in no way should no. <laughs> she right. ever be anywhere right. near. And, and then, and then Don Jr. You know, Don Jr. was quite explicit that you know, absolutely never happening, and I won't let it happen. And you know, when Don Jr. is telling you that, you know, this is has nothing to do with the campaign, nothing to do with Mar-a-Lago, nothing to do with President Trump. This is the Rhino class, desperate for the hail mary. The you know. Smuggle somebody in. President Trump's the nominee. Haley's the veep. And then, oh, oh no, look, oh, there's an October surprise. President Trump has been convicted of X Y Z trumped up charge, and therefore, oh look, Haley has to be our nominee. That's where it yeah. came from. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. That's so good. What, um, what what does not letting him win look like? You know, this is this is where we're on kind of. Yes. This is tough tough territory to talk about because. It's. I, I wrote another piece about this on the history of left-wing violence in America from Chongloss uh, at the turn of the century, who successively uh, assassinated an American president, all the way through Lee Harvey Oswald, Sweeky from Sirhan Sirhan, Hinckley, uh, onto James Hodgkinson, who almost murdered Steve Scalise, onto Nicholas Ruska, names that nobody remembers, who was planning to... Uh, 
kill Associate uh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh and his wife and his children. That's a century of left-wing activists, men of the left, women of the left, uh, assassinating or attempting to assassinate conservatives. That's not a list of... There is no such list of conservatives. You know, a century-long list of assassination attempts against presidents and leading political figures. Only the left has normalized that. And as, as we've noted, what was it, a month ago? In one weekend, we have the New York Times, the Washington Post. We have uh, Anne Applebaum on television, Liz Cheney. We have Robert Kagan write a 5,000-word piece for the Washington Post on how President Trump's second term will be a dictatorship and he's Caesar. And you go, hang on. I know what happened to Caesar. Uh, he was assassinated by his fellow politicians. And in the summer of 2017, you know, Shakespeare in the park, in Central Park, every night that theater company assassinated an actor looking like President Trump in a blue suit, in a red tie, with an uh, orange wig. And it was a standing ovation with liberals baying for blood every evening. So what what does not letting him run look like? I I don't want to paint the devil on the wall, but... This is the trouble with these individuals. They're not rational. This is a cult. And, and, and let, let me put it in very human terms. If you were a German living in Germany in the 1930s and somebody convinced you that Adolf Hitler is really a bad guy and could tell you that he's, you know, he's, a, he's a Nazi, he's a dictator, wouldn't you as a decent person try to use the ultimate weapon against him and take him out? These people actually believe it. I mean, there are enough people in in this nation who believe this insanity, and it's a cult. So what I I can say is the Secret Service better be on their game for the next 11 months, and then, God willing, if we do our part and he wins, for the four years afterwards and, and for the rest of his life in retirement, because these people will stop at nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they all think they're Bonhoeffer. If if yeah. we just made the claim that human nature is absolute by quoting Aristotle from 2,500 years ago, uh, which is a belief among conservatives, you look back in history, and you did a perfect job of our recent history, but look back like the history of mankind is all about assassination. It is, it is right. by God's grace that we have not had way more in this country. And I always go back to the year 69, the year of the four emperors. Could you imagine being in Rome <laughs> in one year? There were, everyone was just murdering each other for the, for the emperor, like nonstop all the time. That'd be crazy. Uh, but that's the norm. Yeah. It's not just the history of assassination. And again, you know, I, I know this is my former field in national security, but, uh, and I'm not trying to be trite here. The history of mankind is the history of warfare. I mean, really, you, you can't write the history of mankind unless you're writing about wars and violence. I mean, th- this is why the left is so wrong in terms of their, you can perfect man and, you know, you can engineer peace and you can change human nature. Human nature is, is you know, red in tooth and claw. That's the history of human nature. But but to your point on, on, on our history, you know, what is the latest news? On Saturday, on the third anniversary of January 6th, which we still don't know what really happened on January 6th, and we still don't know because the director of the FBI can't tell us how many FBI agents were disguised as protesters on that day. He doesn't know or he doesn't want to tell us. On the anniversary 
at Valley Forge, the current commander-in-chief will give a speech about Donald Trump as a threat to democracy. So, I mean, I just tweeted it out before we came on the air. They're doubling down, Mike. They're doubling down. Outside Liberty Hall in Philadelphia, drenched in this blood-red light, flanked by Marines in their dress blues, the current incumbent who controls the armed forces, who has the nuclear football, called half the nation fascist and a threat to America. And despite some people saying, even on his side, you know what, that was not a good idea. That was mm, tasteless. And you were the guy who your inauguration said you're going to bring peace and reconciliation. What are you doing? They're not dialing it down. They're talking about civil war themes in speeches by the president near Valley Forge on Saturday. And, and look at what they're doing in the meantime. Colorado, Maine, California, they're attempting to do what? Remove a man who's received 130 million votes in America for president. They're trying to remove him from the ballot. The last time that happened, the Democrats tried to remove somebody called Abraham Lincoln from the ballots in 1860. Mike, what resulted after that? <laughs> A civil war. So if anybody is trying to light the fuse on a civil war, it's not us, it's not anyone wearing a red MAGA hat. And it's not just the fringe of the Democrats, it's the top of the Democrat organization and the current incumbent. And that's why we have to take the, the real challenge to democracy very seriously. And it's not coming from us, it's coming from the left and actually from the White House. Joe Biden at Valley Forge. Very, yep. very interesting. Very intentional. And I, I fear desecration will take place. And I, um, I I will withhold, obviously. I haven't heard the speech. I'm, I'm curious to see how he's going to make the turn. So it's something like this is where George Washington became uh, his ascent to power. And he set the precedent to leave after two terms and Donald Trump refused to leave office and democracy is at peril. Or so, is that the connection? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the guy, the presidential historian group that he uh, met with yesterday. Allegedly, yeah, what a the, joke. The, the what a joke, this group. To, yeah, that the White House refused to give us the names of. You know, the, the, these are the people who, who wrote his Liberty Hall speech. And yeah. it, I mean, that, that was that was. That was worse than the deplorables. I mean, the deplorables was just like an arrogant, you're scum, you're working class, you know, you don't deserve to, you know, be part of our American uh, culture. This is actually calling the deplorables domestic terrorist threats. So I, I think that the key thing we can expect and the theme that we've heard for nigh on what, you know, two years now is we have to, you know, the democratic election of President Trump is a threat to democracy. This bizarro world that you you getting to choose who you want to be president is a threat to democracy. I mean, really fascistic language, because remember what they tried to do in Colorado. It wasn't just remove his name from a ballot of a private entity. We're not talking about the election. They're doing this on the primaries. 
they tried to remove somebody's name from a private entity, the GOP's internal primaries. And what do they do? They don't just try to remove his name. They say, and we will ban you from physically writing his name in yes, the ballot right. by hand. <laughs> so you, you're not even allowed to write down the name of the person you want to be your president. That, that is the true fascism. I mean, maybe, maybe worse than Valley Forge. I don't know, because we'll hear what he does in Valley Forge. But he's also going to that church in, um, in uh, uh, South Carolina where that, that Dylan Roof murdered all those, those black churchgoers. And I can think of no other reason, but please give me a better one, to do that other than to say, you are Dylan Roof. Yeah. But you know what? I hope he does that. I hope he does that because what are we seeing in, in the polls? You know, black America, Hispanic America, I mean, there, there has been a 38-point swing, if you believe the latest poll, to Donald Trump as opposed to Biden. Biden took uh, the, the Hispanic vote by, what, 34 points in the, in the last election, and now President Trump is up five points. So whether it's a black community, whether it's a minority community, the, the, these speeches – so here's the good thing. These yes. speeches won't have an effect on normal people, right? Because normal people are living in America. They know that the mortgage is 7%. They know the price of gas. They, they know the you know, illegals are coming in divisional size invasions every single day across our borders. So they, 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 they live that life. What I'm worried about is it only takes one crazy person, Mike, right? I mean, think about it. But for the grace of God, Brett Kavanaugh and his family would be dead because some Biden voter traveled from California with a Glock, with a bayonet, with zip ties uh, to kill that uh, Supreme Court justice simply because he helped destroy that, that genocidal law of Roe v. Wade. Only at the last moment he thought better of it and he called the police. Th this is language. This is, this, is, this is language that is meant to incite people. And, and, and that's the real danger. Normal people will see through it. We know what it's really about, targeting us. But if you believe President Trump's a dictator and you're mentally not all there, how are you going to react to these speeches? That's the threat. And that's why these people are so very dangerous. AMAC, A-M-A-C, AMAC.us, the headline, the most recent article, Can President Trump Win? Uh, and you start, <laughs> I, I, I want to let you go, but you start off the article uh, about this meeting, this or this uh, event, and uh, your, your thoughts on small party. talk. Christmas party, yeah. Yeah, wh what's, the pro what's the problem with the, uh, with the, the small talk, Dr. Corey? <laughs> I can't do small talk. I just can't talk. I know I grew up in England and where everybody just talks about the weather. I just, I have no... I just want to talk about big things like we do and with, 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 with your audience. Do you, I don't have time for it. <laughs> I, I'd rather talk about Aaron. I'll talk about science fiction. I'll talk about Star Wars and Star Trek. I'll talk about guns and good cigars. If, if that's about all the stuff yeah, that's right. I can okay. do. But, but, but I want to be talking about civilization. I want to be talking about how you live a good life. I want to talk about what it means to be a Christian man in, in, when, when, when the world around you is godless. 
that's interesting for me. So, you know, I went to this Christmas party. I had three conversations in the space of four hours, and they were real <laughs> conversations. And, and that's what triggered my article. Uh, that's great. Uh, real quick, I'll let you go on this. Um, Russell Kirk. Uh, what do you think yeah. about Russell Kirk? I just got the conservative mind. Yeah. Good? Important. Oh, well, mm. I'm going to get in trouble now. I'm going to get in trouble now. <laughs> um, a, 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 a very important book, but uh, a tad. May I say this without getting in trouble? I'm okay. Before you even say it, I'm okay with important. That's still a tad overrated. A tad overrated. Okay. Right. It, because it does. It doesn't. This is what conservatives miss. Okay. So often in in, in the 20th century, you can have the truth, but you've got to you've got to you've got to emotionally connect. Right. This is why Ben Shapiro's tagline is so dangerous and wrong when he says facts don't care about your feelings. OK, Ben, but feelings matter. If you know, this is why Reagan got it so right. This is why President Trump knows how to communicate. You have to communicate the truth, but you've got to do it in a way that resonates with the human soul. The left knows how to you know, emotionally communicate lies. Yes. Right. Like everybody who's got a MAGA hat on is a fascist. We think, oh look, here's a, a a bar chart. Here's a PowerPoint on, you know, dropping the taxes creates more government revenue. Nobody cares. I mean, the latter curve is true, but if you can't communicate Friday <laughs> morning in America with emotional language, you don't resonate with an audience. So, an important book, but 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 not not on the level of, of this is all you need to know. You need yes, to fair. know how to communicate truths emotionally as yes. well. As okay. So what if you can get the intellectual foundation of Russell Kirk and what he yes. describes? Yeah, with the, I mean, it's, it's like phonesis, it's like Hayek. You've got to read those things, but then you've got to also know how to communicate effectively. You've got to watch Reagan. You've got to watch an interview with VDH. You've got to watch an interview. You've got to watch one of President Trump's rally speeches. You've got to do the groundwork. You've got to do the homework. But then you have to know how to speak to human beings in a way where they, they feel it in their bones. They don't just know the facts, but they feel in, your, in their bones that, yes, this is the truth. Yes, very good. You, it was Alex actually a while back who was the first person who who countered that facts don't care about your feelings line, and that was I was like a blue oh, really? away. Like, oh, whoa, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the opposite. It, 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 it's what we. It's why we lose elections, you know, for whoa. forty years because we think, hey, here are some figures, here's some facts. So what? So what? You've got mm -hmm. to get people to feel the truth. Right, feel it. Yeah, that might be a shame. At first, I'd lament that. I, I, my first instinct is, I wish it were just the facts. But then I'm like, no, you know what? Like, it should speak to your bones. Yeah, you know, we have a soul. You know, if if we don't believe it in the soul, then then what what do we believe in? You have to speak to the essence of a human being, not just their mind. I mean, why why do you you don't fight for your children? You don't sacrifice yourself you don't go to war because of facts and numbers <laughs> you you do it because of love right and, and 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 this is why the working class man the man who builds america votes for president trump he may have been a democrat all his life but it's not because of you know percentage rates and, and white papers yes. it's because what has he seen donald trump he sees one thing and one thing alone that man loves america as much as i do 
that's not a that's, that is a statement of fact, but it's not cold numbers. Yeah. It's an emotional statement. That man may be a billionaire from Manhattan, but he loves America, and that's why I support him. That is an emotional statement. Yeah, and that is good. That is that is good. Um, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, where can people uh, listen and read? Yeah, 3 to 6 Eastern every day on the Salem Networks across the nation. You can catch us on uh, on my podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. My website is sebgorka.com or sebastiangorka.com, and then all the social media platforms except the fascists on YouTube. So I'm on Rumbles. Uh, I'm on Truth Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter. Just put in Seb Gorka. And uh, all of my articles are amac.us. That's amac.us. And sadly, the, uh, the, my most recent book is, is more relevant than ever, and that's The War for America's Soul. Ladies and gentlemen, the iconic Dr. Sebastian <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> to you, sir. Uh, as I'm reading The Conservative Mind by Russell Kirk, I'll just have Dr. Gorka in the back of my mind. Overrated. <laughs> Um, no, but this, let me let me express this thing real quick. This is this is really really, I, th- I think important. Um, facts don't care about your feelings. Okay, it's Ben Shapiro. I get that, of course. Good line, pithy, quick, sharp. But no, no, no. Facts don't. So what's that? Facts, feelings, feelings matter. Feelings do matter. Okay, but then I, but then my first instinct is. Oh, well, that's a shame. It should only be facts. Facts are all that should matter. You and you silly progressives and your feelings, those are so meaningless and silly. We should turn those off and just focus on facts. If only we lived in a perfect society where it was all about facts, then then we'd be better off. That's like my first instinct. But it's like, no, that's not right either. Feelings are good when they're in line with the facts. See, that, that's, the, that's the integrity that we spoke of with Shannon earlier. I'll never forget Shannon. Shannon, Missouri, that's the integrity we were speaking of. She has, she has integrity between facts and f- her feelings, her emotions. And it's more than feelings. Feelings, uh, not, the, not the, the, the flighty, petty feelings, but deeply true core of her soul feelings. She has integrity between the, the things she does, the things she thinks, the things she says, the actions she lives, and those feelings inside of her. They both matter. And I, and I love Dr. Gork. I'll, I'll never forget this line. Uh, it is, it's not just a thing that conservatives have to do, but conservatives should speak. He, uh, the second line he said was speak to the essence of human beings. I like the word essence. Essence is good. But he had said a better, he said a better word. Did you hear the a better word he said? He said conservatives should, uh, he didn't say this first part, but he used this word. Conservatives should, should speak to the bones of fellow Americans. It is good. It is good. It's not a lament. It's not, oh, we got we to gotta appeal to emotion. No, no, no. You get the facts, and then you use those to, sp- not to manipulate, but to speak to the truth, the true core, to the bones of a person. Uh, that's that's so good. Fantastic. Uh, Seb Corka on the Twitter. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily. Spread the word. I'm American made. 
Thanks for listening to Breitbart News Daily. On tomorrow's show, we have a lot to do. We'll probably, yeah, we'll definitely talk to Alex because next week he's having a child. <laughs> There's a child that is coming into the world. So probably be a little busy next week. So we should probably talk to Alex now. So we'll do that on tomorrow's show. Mike Slater, Breitbart News Daily, spread the word. Apologize.